Hello, this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. I'm Steve Poisner, healthcare consumer advocate, founder, and executive director. Our nonprofit's mission is to help you navigate the complex healthcare system and understand your legal rights, options, and opportunities when you encounter problems and obstacles. We want to empower you with the information you need to fight back and get the best possible care. Our special guests, experts in their field of healthcare and medicine, provide you with an informative, interesting, and life-changing education on a variety of healthcare topics important to you and your loved ones. In our new Fight Back mini-cast series, we take you through the highlights and great educational information from our most popular podcast topics in our very large library. Let's get started. Is there more scientific research that you know documents the medical benefits of cannabis? Um, there's a little more. I mean, there is obviously epidiolex. There, there are very few like FDA-approved applications for cannabis-based drugs. And I think epidiolex is the best known. Um, but you know, quite honestly, like that's not a path that most cannabis growers can go go through, right? I mean, you know, FDA approval is is a multi-year, multi-tens of millions of dollars process. So Epidiolex was developed by, you know, a company based in the UK called GW Pharma, and it did take uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how many years, but <laughs> between five and ten years to get it from preclinical through clinical trials. Um, I think in the U.S., there's one other approved drug that actually is THC-based called dronabinol, but it's, you know, it's a synthetic formulation um, for patients that are reliant on, you know, quote, full spectrum. Uh, type strains that are, you know, naturally grown and processed so that they include both THC and, and CBD and terpenes. I mean, they're reliant on, you know, state-based systems of medical use. Um, and, and, and that availability can be very variable, right? <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, Fortunately, pretty well built out in California, which has had, you know, medical use since the 1990s. Um, and it's well built out in Colorado, which has had medical and, and adult use since 2012. But, you know, it will require, I think, full federal legality before there's really, uh, you know, more robust testing and more robust research. I mean, the other the other big barrier to this is DEA has to approve, you know, approve cannabis grows as, you know, available for legal research. And for years and years and years, it's only been the University of Mississippi that was uh, awarded that license. And the cannabis coming out of University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, is, um, is not the cannabis that is grown today. It's it's a very old strain and it's a very low THC strain and it does not so research with respect to it does not translate into what people what is available to to the public really through you know licensed medical dispensaries in cannabis legal states. Are you saying that the health insurance today 
does not cover any of the costs of the medical use of cannabis. Uh, unless you're using one of the two FDA-approved meds that I referenced, that's absolutely right. You can go into your, you know, in California, you can go into your dispensary, you can have a recommendation from your physician, you can have a prescription under federal law, you, your physician has to, quote, recommend cannabis for you, and you can buy it, you know, for, for whatever your condition is. Um, and again, that varies from state to state, right? Some have very broad provisions and other states are super restrictive. You know, in California, it's, it's not difficult to get a recommendation from a physician for medical cannabis, but you, what you go into a dispensary and buy, it's not going to be reimbursed by your, by your health insurance. When would you uh, want to smoke it versus ointments versus digesting edibles versus these vaporizers? D describe the, the different options and when one's better than the other. So, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on this. <laughs> I'm a parent. Um, but, uh, you know, for us, I mean, we had a child right now. He's a young adult, but he's developmentally disabled. He's like a child. I mean, I, I would not give him a vaporizer or ask him to smoke something. Um, so what my son takes is a tincture that is absorbed, you know, through the digestive system. The downside of a tincture um, is that it's not immediate onset, right? So if you're a person with severe pain and you want to treat that immediately, you're better served by smoking or vaporizing. Um, because you're going to have more immediate onset. I mean, with smoking, dosing and titration is challenging. With vaporization, you know, it depends on the quality of your vaporizer and whether you can, like, set the temperature and consume only certain amounts. But, you know, it's, it's a combination of the vaporizer and then the concentrate. I mean, together with some of the more sophisticated vaporizers like Pax makes those, um, you, you can get a more consistent dosing than you would get through smoking. But in any event, a smoking or vaporization option is going to give you more immediate relief. If you're looking for something as a, you know, as a immediate therapeutic versus a prophylactic, the way my son is using it, you know, a, a concentrate or tincture for him is fine because we just need to maintain a steady state of, um, you know, a certain level of it in his bloodstream over time to, to be a prophylactic. But for, uh, you know, pain, pain specifically, um, you know, smoking or vaporization is probably a better option. Right. What are some of the most common uses? Is it for, for pain? I think pain is probably number one. Um, insomnia. Um, people use it for anxiety. Uh, you know, it's this is this is a big. You know, one of one of the biggest advocacy positions of you know many of the organizations that are pushing for federal legalizations for for medical use um, are those organizations that represent veterans um, because there's some evidence of efficacy in PTSD. Um, so I, I would say that, 
you know, the, the primary uses are pain and insomnia, anxiety, and other, you know, mental health issues that face those who have had some kind of trauma. It does sound like, you know, you're obviously a big advocate that of, 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 uh, modernization of federal law here so that more high quality medical research can be done. Is that, is that part of your message? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons, right? There's high quality medical research. There's the ability to, you know, to consume your medication without fear of, you know, legal reprisal. I, and many other, you know, patients and parents of patients face the dilemma of how do you travel? How do you travel with your medication? You know, it's not legal. <laughs> um, and you see this, you know, in medical legal states, I'm sure everyone has seen this. You go through the Denver airport and you, you know, there were like bins to toss your, you know, your cannabis because, Hey, you know, you can't carry that on an airplane. So, Patients and, and parents of patients deal with that every day. How are we going to transport our kids' medication? We have, like, sweated our way through airports many times. Again, we are fortunate that our son our son's needs are CBD-based, and we now have a pharmaceutical product that we can legally travel with. But for years, we could not. Um, you know, I know horror stories of parents and patients who have gone through um, the ringer legally because they are traveling with their medication. Um, there's, you know, the ubiquitous problem and the, and the, probably the best argument for legalization of cannabis, which is that, you know, cannabis is used, um, by law enforcement, um, to harass people of color. I mean, this has been an enormous problem for years and, and the statistics bear it out. I mean, Incarceration for cannabis use is almost <laughs> unheard of among middle and upper class white people and is, you know, a, a huge issue. And a huge number of black and brown people are incarcerated for cannabis use, not even cannabis distribution, cannabis use. Um, this is, you know, unacceptable. And it's, you know, it's, it's a waste of people's lives. It's a waste of law enforcement priorities. It's, it's just, you know, it's another issue that our country really needs to confront. I want to thank you for listening to today's Fight Back minicast. You can listen to the full podcast on this topic or check out additional podcasts by going to our website at www.healthcareconsumerrights.org. We also welcome your input and stories that we can use on future podcasts. This is Steve Poisner, and this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. Thanks for listening. I look forward to our next podcast. Talk with you soon.